God is so good. I changed the the title of my sermon. I changed my sermon three times over the last couple of weeks. The title that I came up with, uh, Are You Stuck in the Middle of a Battle? You know, and then you have these mornings where it's just like, it's obvious that God, you knew exactly what it should be, right? So, Aaron, can I get you to come up here for a second? I I like putting people on spots. Does anybody else like that? Like, you like being the person who gets to put people on spots? Are you, are you nervous right now? No. Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> I was hoping to make you a little nervous. I just need something really small. Yeah. Could you just bring me the two signs? The two signs? Yeah, just put them like right here. This one and then that one over there. You want me to just yeah, if you could just drag them over here. I just didn't want like feedback to, to come if I got too close to the speaker. Uh, right, Davey? That, that's, a, that's a real thing, right? That, and I don't like doing any hard work, you know? My wife says it's because I'm a guy, but I'm like, I just, I don't like to, we'll come all the way over, bring him nice and close. No, I don't mind doing hard work. Um, okay, yeah, we go right beside each other. That'd be great. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Encountering God's transforming presence, together we can transform the world. Jesus transformed my life. You know, I, I grew up not a believer you know, knowing the name of Jesus, but really not knowing anything about him. And it's his presence that transforms the world, right? Did you know that you are a part of that world? You are a part of the world, right? He transforms you and I. When he transforms us, what happens? We can go out of these doors and help together with him transform the world, right? So I think one of the things I'm really passionate about is that, you know, I accepted Jesus when I was, you know, 20 years old, kind of thing like that. I know I look 20 right now, but it was a few years ago. Uh, But, you know, I accepted Jesus, you know, and nobody really told me, or I didn't really have this understanding that, you know, I thought, like, oh, okay, I accepted Jesus, I became a Christian, all of a sudden my life is going to get really, really easy, right? I accepted Jesus into my life, so, like, come on, if he's the the Savior, so therefore, I'm going to, my life is going to be totally different, right? It's going to be really, really easy, And it was really, really different, but as I'm sure most of you guys will know, that just because you accept Jesus in your life doesn't mean that your life gets really, really easy, does it? There's, to be totally honest, because we love to be real in here, is that my life actually got, in a lot of ways, harder. I'm like, okay, so I'm not a Christian, I accept Jesus into my life, my life gets harder. Really. Does that make coming to Jesus sound appealing to anybody? Not really. Now, why did it get harder? It's because I actually started to care about things. And that's the part that's like, okay, now you got my attention, Adam. Right? My life got harder because I actually cared about what I was doing. I actually cared about my family. I actually cared about my friends. I actually cared about what I was doing at work. Right? But now, since I care, guess what? Things get a little bit more difficult, don't they? Because before I just didn't care what happens. But now I do. So, again, being in a place that's real, our battle's real, right? We all go through battles. And maybe today you came here and being like, you know, you're on top of the mountain today. You're not really going through like any struggles, right? But I think, again, if we can be authentic, probably, you know, 90% of us could put up your hand if I asked you, are you going through something right now that you would say is a battle or a trial, right? I'm not going to ask you to do that, but I can pretty much guarantee you that probably most of us would, 
We're going through something, aren't we? So for time's sake here, I'm going to paraphrase my Bible verses for you guys. Uh, but it's in, I definitely recommend reading this uh, when you go home today or tomorrow. It's in Judges 6, okay? So read Judges 6 and 7. It's the story of Gideon. Um, so Gideon, he, Israelites, are afraid right now. They're being attacked by an evil army, right? So they're living in fear, okay? So it says in verse 1 that the Israelites are doing evil things in the Lord's sight. They're being attacked by the Midianites. You've got to love biblical names here, right? I love saying them out loud. I like just to say Midianites, 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 uh, you know, all those kind of fun names. But anyways, they're being attacked so bad, in fact, that they leave their village and they take off to the mountains, all right? So that's how bad things are for Gideon and his people, okay? So in verse 12, I'm going to read some of this. Uh, an angel of the Lord comes. So chapter 6, verse 12. You've got to love how Bibles have really small writing in them too. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Verse 13. Sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where were all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. So, Gideon, I love this guy. Who's going through a battle right now? And you ask, like, God, where are you? Right? You know, I believe in you. You know, I gave my life to you. And where are you? That's a, that's a real question, isn't it? It's a question I'm sure we all go through, isn't it? Or is it just me? Yes? You guys are with me, right? It's just me, thank you. But when you keep going in the text, the angel just doesn't even acknowledge the question, right? The angel just keeps on going. Who here has said those words like, God, where are you? And you hear nothing back. I want to encourage you this morning. That's very biblical that you don't hear anything back, right? The angel just ignored it, and he's just like, I'm sending you. Gideon also says that my tribe is the the least qualified tribe, right? I am the least qualified in my tribe. So, God, you're asking me to do this, this huge thing that I am the smallest person, the least person that is qualified to do it, right? Do you feel like you're qualified to do the battle that you're, that you're in right now? <coughs> Chances are you're not, right? When we're in the middle of our battles, generally the feeling for most of us is that there's just no way I can get through it. You know, God, this is too big for me, right? I have no hope. I'm depressed. I'm hurt. You know, I'm in anguish, right? But the beautiful thing about it is God doesn't see us the way that we see ourselves, does he? Right? God doesn't see us the way that we see ourselves. Before anything happened, the angel of the Lord came and told Gideon what? You mighty hero. You mighty warrior. That's how God sees him. Right? Gideon sees himself just as the least in his tribe, smallest tribe. I am the last person that should lead an army for what you're asking me to do. I'm the last person that should do it. Right? But God's like, no. I've qualified you. My unconditional love qualifies you. Right? So don't let our past 
Don't let all those things from our past, right? We disqualify ourselves. We let shame and guilt, all those things disqualify us for what we want to do in the future, what we feel God's called us to. Amen? So Gideon, he's kind of goes through that little rant, just like, God, where are you in all this stuff, right? And then the next thing about it is that he goes into, well, God, if this is really you, then I need some confirmation, right? When I first read the Bible, uh, this story in particular, I kind of gave Gideon a hard time. I'm like, Gideon, like, why are you asking God to give you confirmation? Like, don't you know who God is? Like, God is a God of miracles, right? God is like, he can do anything. So why are you asking him for confirmation, right? And I kind of beat him up a little bit, if I can be honest, right? But now as I've matured a little bit more, I'm like, Gideon, you're just really real, you know? It would be great to stand here. It's great to read those stories about people with supernatural faith that get, God, you can just do anything and everything, right? But for 90% of us, right, it's, these are the real conversations that we have with God, that we have these real struggles with fear. And like, God, if this is really you, Yes, I want to believe it's you so much, but there's this fear inside of us that, God, I want confirmation. And we can't beat each other up. We can't beat yourself up if you're in the same shoes as Gideon is, okay? All right? So Gideon has, he, God, he goes through the tests. God answers the tests. Gideon's faith is increasing here. Gideon blows a horn, it says. He summons an army. He gets 32,000 soldiers. Amen to that, right? 32,000 soldiers. It sounds pretty good, doesn't it? But he's going up against an army of 135,000 soldiers. 32,000 soldiers to 135,000 soldiers. Who, which army would you pick to go on? 135,000, right? So for me, I'm like, man, Gideon, like, you still need a lot of faith that God's going to come through for you with 32,000 soldiers when you're up against an army of 135,000 soldiers, right? But God being God and how amazing he is, it's like, Gideon, your army's too big. I'm like, seriously? 32,000, God? Like, 32,000 people, yes, it sounds like a lot, but not to 135. That's 100,000 less, right? But God's like, I know the human mind. I know the human heart. I don't want there to be any chance of you guys taking credit for this victory. It's got to be me, and people got to know it's me. So God tells Gideon, okay, tell anybody who's afraid, who's timid, to go home. How many people go home? 22,000, 32,000 army, 22,000 go home, right? 22,000, a huge chunk of the army. Math is not my strong suit. Sorry, Mary, you may check my math on this, but I'm pretty sure that 69% of his army just walked out the door, right? Now they had a green light to do that, right? Anybody who's fear, I'm like, yep, I'm gone. Thank you, thank you for that green light to go. I'm out of here. 69% of his army left. God, being God and how amazing he is, says, it's still too much. I'm like, seriously? We're down to what, how many people now? You know, 32,000, 22,000 leave. We're down to 10,000, okay? God says, that's too much. I'm like, seriously, God? Come on, that's too much? 135,000 people? Do you feel like when you're in the battle, you're a little overwhelmed here? right? God says to go down and get a drink, how, how these people drink and how these people drink. If these people drink like that, send them home, right? So he's now all of a sudden down to 300 people. 300 people. Say 300. 300 people. Again, my math not being the greatest, if I did my calculations correct, 
he is down to 1% of where his army was. Say 1%. 1%. So he's going into battle with 1% of his army. Where's the other 99% of his army from? From him. Right? When you're in battles, when you feel like I got nothing left to give, you feel like I only have 1% of me to give, guess what? Where are you going to get your 99% from? It needs to be from him. Right? That's when you guys can shout amen. You can stand up, give me a big clap. That's a good word, right? <laughs> you guys are doing good? All right. I'm going to keep going along here. Chapter 7, verse 10. It's kind of been around that 10 and 11 and stuff like that. In the Old Testament, I heard it over and over again that God is an angry God, right? We look at the Old Testament and we're like, you just see all these, all these battles going on, right? We can view God as this angry God. Um, but in verse kind of 9 and 10, the Lord tells him to, wakes, he wakes him up and he's like, you know, I've given you victory. Amen? I've given you victory. But, it says, but, if you're still afraid, take your servant and go down to the enemy camp. If you're still afraid, go down, take your servant to the enemy camp. This is such a loving part of who God is that I think a lot of us don't see in the Old Testament. God doesn't give Gideon this command, just go now. I've, I've already said it. I've said it multiple times. Now go, right? It's not like that. He's like, Gideon, if you're still afraid, grab your servant. He's not even telling Gideon, go down to the enemy army by yourself. Go with somebody. Is it nice to be going through battles with somebody? Going through battles with somebody. Right? That's an important thing, having a support system to go with, right? We don't lean on them for all, everything, obviously, but it's nice to have people to go with you into battle, right? So God is showing them, like, Gideon, I know you're afraid. I'm not punishing you. I'm not doing anything like that. I'm loving you, and I'm giving you this green light to encourage you right now. So take your servant, go down. You will be encouraged. After you hear what happens, you're going to be eager to go into battle. Really? 300 people, God? I'm going up 135,000. I'm going to be eager to go into battle, right? So what does he do? He, he grabs his servant, goes down, hears what they say, and he's on fire. He's like, all right, we got this. Goes back up to, the, goes back up to his 300 men, kind of divvies them out into three groups. They go down, and they have victory. Now, the beautiful thing about it is that they don't even have to fight. They don't even fight. They go down there, they start shouting, they start making all this noise, they, they break these clay pots, right? It's super loud. Who here camps? Uh-oh, just a couple of people. Um, I'm sure everybody, I'm sure more people have camped in here. If you've never camped, when you're in a tent, are things super loud? These guys are camped out. The smallest of sounds is super, super loud, isn't it? It can be this little squirrel just kind of walking around your, your tent, and you think it's a black bear, right? <laughs> Depending on where you are right now, like, you would think it's a bear. That's how loud sleeping in a tent is. So whether it's 300 men, whether it's 1,000 men, or whatever it is, it can be the smallest number, but it's super loud, all right? So anyways, God uses that, scares the enemy. They get into, they start fighting each other, and, you know, they do chase them, but they actually don't even have to fight. And so... My big thing to take home today is that if Gideon knew God's game plan, do you think he would have not trusted him? Do you think he would have struggled with fear if he knew the game plan of what was going to happen? No, right? If Gideon knew, God, I'm not even going to have to do anything here besides take my army down and shout and break some clay pots. That feels great. I can do that. And if I knew that's all it took, then that's great. I wouldn't even struggle with fear. 
But because Gideon doesn't know, he has to do what? He has to rely and trust God, doesn't he? Right? So your take home is that, you know, we don't get the benefit of knowing step by step, right? Think about the battle you're in today. You don't know the step by step that's going to happen in order for victory for that battle, but somebody does. It's that 99% of who we're leaning on. He knows the outcome of your battle, doesn't he? Does he know the outcome of your battle? So right now, just, we're not doing ministry, but just take a second. I want you to take a minute. Think about the battle you're in, okay? If you're in a battle, think about a battle that you're in. Maybe it's multiple battles, right? And just where you're sitting, tell yourself, I may not know the game plan, but he does. The other thing with battles is every battle's different, right? Every battle's unique. You're not going to go through the same battle. You may go through the same things that keep occurring, but the intensity is going to be different, isn't it? Right? So each battle is unique and different. You can't rely on what's worked in the past to work in your future. Okay? So for Gideon as an example, if he went into that battle with 32,000 people, I think we'd be reading quite a different story in the Bible, wouldn't we? Right? If he went down with his men and, you know, next battle decided, like, oh, we're going to shout, we're going to break some clay pots, that may not work. It may. I'm not saying that it wouldn't. But if God's not in it, guess what? It's not going to work, right? So relying on God and not just assuming what's happened in your past is going to happen and work properly in your future. Uh, you know, if you like movies, Lord of the Rings, I think it's the first movie. There is the, you know, the king. His village is being under attack. He knows this big army is coming, so they go to Helm's Deep and this how they have this huge battle on Helm's Deep. And he's like, we're going there because it's protected us in the past. We're not going to send out riders. We're just going to go there and, and hope that this works, right? But Aragon, he's like, no, you need to send out riders. You have like this huge army out there. You have like 3,000 men out there that are riding horses right now for you. And they are faithful to you. They will come to you if you call for them. But he's like, no, we're, we're going here. We're going to protect ourselves in this fortress. And sure enough, you know, Aragon being an amazing guy doesn't listen to him. And he's like, this is the right thing to do. We're going to send out, send out people to get the riders come back. And so they do, right? And this battle happens. And, the, you know, of course, what worked in the past didn't work in the future for them. The, they break the gates down. They climb the walls. You know, all hope is lost. And then, sure enough, these riders come in. So I just made that, like, hour scene. I just broke it down into 30 <laughs> seconds for you. So you can thank me for that. Yeah, spoiler, thank you. But again, my point is, don't rely on what's happened in the past to work for your future, okay? Billy Graham says this amazing quote, fruit grows in the valley, not on hilltops or mountaintops. When we're down in the valley, is it easy? So what do I mean by the valley? When things are hard, when we're going through trials, right? Mountaintops or when everything's going really, really well, fruit grows in the valley. Fruit grows when we're going through battles, don't they? Right? They shape us into who we become right? It's great when we're on the top of the mountaintops, right? Things are good. Things are great. But how often are we up there? Again, if we're being real, probably not a whole lot, right? We're down in the valleys a lot, aren't we? But again, your encouragement today is that fruit grows in the valley, right? So my parents got a divorce when I was 14. I learned to drink a lot and a lot and a lot at the age of 14 to the point now where I don't even like the smell of alcohol because I drank so much when I was 14. Did God cause my parents' divorce? 100% not, right? He did not cause that divorce. Has he used it? 100% yes. Genesis 50, 20 says, what the enemies use for bad, God will make it for good, 
right? If we allow him to use things that are shame from our past, he can turn our shame into victory for other people, right? God has used something that was terrible in my life, and he has now given me victory. He needs now giving other people victory because of that. But we got to allow him to use hurtful things from our past, maybe, so he can use them for victory today, okay? Thank you. Sorry, I'm trying to go through this quick. Uh, Romans 8.37. This was the verse I was originally going to start with. Both times I rewrote my sermon. But I didn't want to make battle sound easy or too easy. Right? Romans 8.37 says, In the midst of everything, you are more than a conqueror. Say that. In the midst of everything, you are more than a conqueror. You may not feel that way, guys. But that's who God says. That's one of his promises for you today is that you are more than a conqueror. And what I love about it, it says, in the midst of. What does that mean? In the midst of, in the middle of your battle right now, guess what he's saying? You're more than a conqueror. Think about that battle you're in. He's, this is what he's saying, not what you feel, but what he says is that you are more than a conqueror. You have victory, right? And it's not something that we just say in the middle of our battles. I want to encourage you today that you go home and you start declaring that each and every day. When you wake up in the morning and you look yourself in the mirror before you brush your teeth and all that good stuff, you'd be like, I am more than a conqueror. Romans 8.37. You don't wait to say it in the battle. You start saying it before the battles begin. Amen? All right. I'm going to get you guys to stand up. In order for there to be victory, there needs to be a battle. Okay, so we need a battle to have victory. Doesn't sound great, does it? Right? But we are victorious. We grow in those battles. And so, again, encourage yourself that I need a battle in order to be victorious. Okay? Even though it's not fun, it's not easy, but God shapes us, right? He shapes our character. He builds you up in those battles for things in the future, right? David didn't just become king all of a sudden, right? He got anointed king, but he went through a long stretch there of building up of his character in order to become king, okay? Philippians 4.13, I can do everything with the help of Christ who strengthens me, uh, who gives me the strength I need, everything with the help of Christ, all right? He's not saying that it's all him. He's saying that I will give you help. Gideon didn't just get to sit back on the couch and, and have a nice cold glass of water, right? He actually had to go down to the battle. Ooh, check. So he actually had to go down to the battle, right? So again, I'm gonna, we're going to pray right after this. For I can do everything with the help of Christ who gives me the strength I need. We can't ignore our battles, right? We can't ignore. I love to ignore things. I love to be like, yeah, this is going to solve itself. I'm just going to leave it there. It's just going to go away, right? If I don't look at it, if I don't think about it, it's just going to go away. Does that work? It doesn't, right? But Philippians 4.13, God will help us. Christ gives us strength, okay? So again, another verse to, to take home with you. We need to move from complaining about the situation uh, into praising him. What I love about Gideon is that he doesn't say in this place of God, why is all this bad stuff happening? He moves from that place into, okay, God, if you're real, this is what needs to happen. Right? We move from that place. It's good to cry out your heart to him, but we can't stay there. You've got to move from that place of complaining and move into that place of praising. Amen? 
All right, so sum it up. I got three points. In order to have victory, there needs to be a battle. You are more than a conqueror, whether you have crazy faith or little faith, okay? So if you have crazy faith, that's amazing. But if you have little faith, guess what? You're still more than a conqueror. You can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Lean on to his strength and make him your go-to. All right, I didn't touch on this one, but make him your go-to. When battle happens and you're like, all of a sudden things are great and all of a sudden battle comes up behind you, you had no idea. All of a sudden you get a phone call, all of a sudden you get a text message. You're like, where the heck did this come from? What's your go-to? Make it him, okay? So I'm going to get you guys to close your eyes. Jesus, I was really going to be praying for the impossible things that happen. Um, but again, with all those words coming in this morning, I just wanted to do that at the beginning. But God, you are the God of the impossible. When we feel in our situations, we feel stuck in a battle, Father. We are just laying that down at your feet. We are surrendering that to you today, Holy Spirit. Father, you are a God of transformation. You are the God of transformation. And I just want to encourage you, if you don't know Jesus... I want to encourage you just to, if you want to give your heart to him. Because what I didn't say is that, you know, life gets harder in a sense, but it also gets a lot better. Because instead of going through battles by yourself, when you accept Jesus into your life, now you're not alone in your battles. You now have somebody that you can lean on, right? You now have a person in your corner that knows the game plan of how your battles go. And he's the best decision I've ever made in my life. So, Father, we just, again, we just lay down our battles at your feet today. God, and maybe we feel like, you know, maybe we feel great. We feel strong. We feel like we're just leaning on you right now, Holy Spirit, but maybe we're not. Maybe we feel like we have less than a percent. But whatever it is, Father, we are just looking at you. In the midst of our battle, God, you call us conquerors, Father. You call us conquerors, Papa. So I just just pray for just a breakthrough in your peace this morning, Holy Spirit. Strategies, Holy Spirit. God, that you would increase the level of faith in this room right now. God, you would increase the level of encouragement in this place right now. Father, you'd bring encouragement to our hearts, to our souls, Father. God, because you call us more than conquerors. More than conquerors, Holy Spirit. So again, I just want you guys just to take a minute here, just where you're standing, where you're sitting. And just, again, in those possible situations, I want you to focus on Jesus. Let him come in right now and let him just bring the breakthrough that needs to happen. Let him come in and just bring that breakthrough this morning because it's his presence that transforms us. When we feel like we're at the end of our rope, when we feel we have nothing left, it's his presence that transforms the world, that transforms you and I.